Would you take your copy of God's Word and make your way to Galatians chapter 4 uh, for the sake of our guests who are joining us. We are in the middle of our, or coming to the end, in fact, of our Advent series over the past three weeks. It has been rich, hasn't it? It's been good to be in this series to remind us of the coming of our glorious Christ. In fact, the name of this Advent series is entitled, All Hail! The glorious Christ. Because we intend through the the lifting up of the word of God to declare his glory and cause worship to happen in our hearts when we see what God has done through his mighty son, our savior, Jesus Christ. In week one, we looked at the fact that Christ came to regenerate us. He came to make dead people alive. That's why Christ came We looked two weeks ago at that Christ came to justify us. That means he meant to save lost sinners. Last week we considered the scripture that reminds us that Christ came to sanctify us. That means to make us like himself in our day-to-day living. And then this morning um, we are going to consider how Christ came to adopt us into his family with all the rights and privileges that that affords to us. And so we are eager to, to explore and enjoy the glorious Christ as we think for a few minutes together about all that his coming means for us at Christmas time and it means for us throughout the year. Now, this morning, uh, being Christmas Eve, we all have uh, likely to varying degrees, but we all have a sense of anticipation. You and I know what it's like to anticipate Christmas morning, especially when we were kids, right? We all we all anticipated Christmas morning with great joy, thinking perhaps of that special gift that we hoped that we would get. Uh, I may have shared this before, but I just learned how uh, recently in the past year or two, how one of my sons, Ethan, um, anticipated Christmas with great joy. He told me with also great joy about a year or two ago that he would anticipate Christmas by walking into our bedroom and looking on top of my dresser drawer where there would be all the receipts for all the gifts that we've purchased. And he would go through them categorically. Okay, I'm getting that good. I'm glad he got that. Oh, he got that one on sale. That's really nice. And uh, so on Christmas morning, there was zero surprises for my son, Ethan, even though he faked it very well. I said, Ethan, how long did you do this for? He's like, well, it was a number of years. (laughs) So it's not like there was any repentance here. Uh, He just glad face told me about this joy of Christmas. Well, we all know what it's like to anticipate something. We all know what that's like. The nation of Israel was anticipating the coming of a Redeemer. They may not have always been looking for him in the way that he was described to come, but they were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. For all the way back in the Garden of Eden, in response to Adam and Eve's rebellion against God, God in great mercy promised to send a Redeemer. And since that time, God was preparing his people for this promised Redeemer. It wouldn't come. He wouldn't come right away. It would take some time, but God was preparing them for this Redeemer. Let me throw a few thoughts to that. Think about Moses. Moses, like a type of Redeemer. Moses leading the charge out of slavery to freedom. 
a prefigurement, a type of Christ who came to to show forth to Israel, this is what the real Christ will do. He will lead us out of slavery of all time. And God was preparing his people. The, the people in Israel were sacrificing animal sacrifices. And I can only imagine that after time they would wonder, when is the ultimate sacrifice going to come? Well, when will we no longer need to make these animal sacrifices? Throughout history... Israelite history and the course of human history, God was preparing the time when his son would come. God was shaping the history of nations. Just take, just take the Roman Empire for a moment. Think about how God was preparing the world for the spread of the good news even through the Roman Empire. What did the Romans make really well? They made roads. They're called the Roman roads. They made them particularly well. Well, that facilitated the ease of travel that the gospel would be carried along. The Greek language that the Romans um, proliferated, it was now the common language so that the word of God could go forward in that common language. The failure of paganism, the dismal failure of paganism had prepared the hearts of people for a true and genuine encounter with the living God, not some statue that has no life. No, God was preparing the world for the arrival of good news. And the timing of the coming of the Son of God was not haphazard. It wasn't random. God had planned for this to occur. And when the time was right, He would come And now on Christmas Eve, the hour had come and God was making his redemptive move for all who had eyes to see and for all who had ears to hear. Read with me now these two brief verses from Galatians 4. Galatians 4, the Apostle Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Christ came to bring us to God. Christ came to adopt us into His family, that we by faith would know Him and love Him. Let me Pause and ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Lord, you, you have preserved this word for us today, December 24th, 2023, that we might be enlivened by it, that it might breathe life into our souls. This is not some old dead book. Lord, you have life for us in this book. And so attune our hearts this morning, my heart too, Lord, Attune it to the life that you want to give to me and to us through this word. Lord, speak to us. And shape us according to this truth. We pray this together in Christ's name. Amen. The fullness of time had come and God sent forth his son. Paul draws our attention to the Savior in three specific ways. And I, I want to 
commend these ways to you. I, I pray that as we look at who Christ is, that we will be drawn in worship and adoration on this Christmas Eve. First of all, he draws our attention to the Savior's lineage, the family line through which Jesus came. It says this, God sent forth his son, born of woman. So right off the bat, Paul is instructing this church in Galatia. He's telling them things about Jesus Christ. They had not met Jesus, and so he needs to inform them. And so he tells them right away that Jesus is God's son. God sent forth his son. But he also, just right next to that, he he gives this other statement that he was born of woman. So he is fully God, but he is also fully man. These two natures in one person, God, Emmanuel, him being with us. The eternal Son of God, think about this. The eternal Son of God, co-equal with God the Father and God the Spirit, took on flesh and became human. Now, Jesus, just like God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, had not been material substance before. Jesus hadn't come to earth some other time. He took on flesh. That's why the incarnation is so remarkable. That God, the Spirit, God took on flesh. He populated himself among us. He came to dwell with us. He was both God and he was man. He was born of woman. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he was born of woman. So he was truly God and he was truly man. And this was remarkable. This is what this good news is about. In being truly human, why is it important that Jesus was fully man? It's, it's important because he needed to be able to relate with us. See, God becoming flesh means that he can identify with you. You know, if, if God just came and he didn't take upon himself flesh, it would be hard to relate to him in one sense because he doesn't know what it's like to live in this world, in this fallen and broken world. But, but God became flesh so that he could identify with us. He could share in our humanity Jesus knew what it was like to experience hunger and pain and difficulty. He felt the effects of a sinful and broken world. He experienced temptation. He understands our experience. Friends, that is powerful. He understands our experience. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. As you think back to 2023, have you experienced sorrow? Are you acquainted with grief? Jesus is described as one who knows those things. He can identify with us. He is one who came to dwell with us. Let's not lose perspective on that. In fact, when you come back tonight, we're going to look at John 1 and and see this a bit more, how he took flesh and he identified us with us in his flesh. But he just wasn't man. 
He was also fully God. He was God in the flesh. He never sinned. He never yielded himself to the temptation that came. He resisted and he was God. He perfectly obeyed the law. Therefore, he could be the perfect sacrifice for sin. It's what moved the hymn writers to say, we sang it this morning, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. What does the name Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. God with us. Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. And though some couldn't see it then, and so so, though some at times can't see it now, Jesus came to dwell with us. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, fully God, fully man, which brings us to the Savior's purpose. Number two, the Savior's purpose. He was born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Jesus was born as a Jewish boy. Think about this. He was subject to the law that God gave. He was subject to the law that he gave. Think of that. The Son of God, subject to the very own laws that he gave. So on the eighth day, as all good Jewish uh, boys were, he was taking to the temple, and he was circumcised. He celebrated the Passover feast with his family. He celebrated God's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. Jesus honored, think about this, Jesus honored his father and mother. Now, were his mother and father, were they perfect? No, this is Joseph and this is Mary. Two ordinary individuals, imperfect, but Jesus, the perfect one, honored his mother and his father. And by the way, if Jesus can honor his mother and father, we can too. Even in the midst of, some of you have experienced great disappointment, great pain, perhaps even through the hands of a mother or a father. Jesus honored his mother and father. Jesus, the God-man, he he came into this world to dwell with us and to live under the very law that God had given. So God gave this law out of goodness for our good. God gave this because of his generous heart. But what, what did the law reveal to us? As we sought to obey the law, as people sought to obey the law, one thing came really clear that we could not live up to the standard of the law, that no one could perfectly fulfill the law. The law was given for our good, but the law quickly revealed that no one could keep it. And we needed a perfect law keeper to take our place. That was the purpose of the law. The law was given, Paul says in chapter 3, He says, 
It's given as a schoolmaster, as, as a guardian. It was given as, as one who could help us usher, be ushered to Christ because we saw that none of us could keep it. And that's why Christ came. He was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Now, what does it mean that we were under the law? Well, Paul says again in chapter 3 of Galatians that, that being under the law... The fact that it reveals that none of us could, could follow it means that we were breakers of the law. It means that we were in rebellion against God. In fact, he says we were under the curse of the law. This is who we once were. Apart from Christ, we were under the curse of the law because none of us could carry out the law. We couldn't fulfill the law. We needed someone to help us and to do what we couldn't do. That's why Jesus came. We were in prison to the law it was a curse over us because it declared to us that we were not right before God because we could not keep God's law we needed someone outside of us to save us and this is why Jesus came and he submitted himself to the law and he perfectly kept the law so that he could be the one who redeemed us Galatians 3.13, it says it this way. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. You know, it's interesting. We see the, the um, manger scenes at Christmas time and, and all the warm, cozy feelings that, that we think. And, and those, you know, they're not absolutely wrong. However, the reality of Christmas is that Christ came to become a curse for us. That Christ came to take the weight of our sin on himself and die in our place. This is the inexpressible gift of Christmas. We need to understand the reality of the news about our hearts before the joy of Christmas can explode in our hearts. We were under a curse of the law. And this is why Christ came to break the curse by faith. In Jesus Christ, the penalty of the law, of which we were all guilty, the penalty of the law was taken from us. He became our perfect substitute. Listen to this quote. I just was blessed by this, and I thought you would too. In life and in death, the Son of God rendered to God the obedience required by the law. And on that basis, he asked the Father to apply the merits of his obedience to all sinners who believe. Thus does the Son answer all accusations against his people and quiet their restless consciences. Thus does he gain their access to God and secure their acceptance before God. Dear friends, this is truly remarkable that God would do this for us. That, that we, in rebellion to God, that, that we didn't want anything to do with him, that God would send his own son. And this, this son of his would, would perfectly walk out the law. And he died on the cross taking upon himself the sins of all who would ever believe, such that by faith, now, when we believe in Christ's death on the cross on our behalf, do you see what he's saying? The, the perfect righteousness of Christ is credited to my account, to your account when we believe. Such that when God looks at us today by faith, he doesn't see the mess of our lives. He doesn't see it. 
Because the righteousness of Christ has covered over us. Think about how many times you've broken God's law. Think about how many times you've, you've strayed from the Lord. We're all like sheep and we, we are prone to wander. And think about all those times and you stack them together and then you think about the moment and maybe today is the moment. You think about the moment when you believed in Jesus Christ for salvation. All of those sins are covered over by the perfect obedience of Christ. Praise the Lord. This is the gift of Christmas, dear friends. This is it right here. It's that our sins are perfectly forgiven and that we are made righteous in Jesus Christ. This is why Christ came. He was one born of woman. God's son, the perfect God-man. He was born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the curse of the law. Which now brings us to actually the third aspect. And, and here's where I pray that you are tremendously encouraged to think about this. The Savior's accomplishment. This is the third and final aspect in this passage. Paul says... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, Christ doesn't just forgive our sins and then send us on our way. No, he adopts us into his family. He, he takes us as one of his own. He brings us into his very living room. He didn't have to do this. One commentator said, you know, it's not like Christ was walking down the, the, the jail cell and he was, you know, just opening the jail cell and giving guys high five and like, hey, okay, you're free. Have a great life. No, no, he brought us into his family because he loves us, because he wants to be with us, because he wants deep and abiding and real relationship with us. This is the love of God. Now, now, would God have been merciful and kind and incredible to just justify us and then send us on our way and say, have a great life? Yes, that would have been merciful. That would have been amazing. We would still gather to praise the Lord. But, but you see, he didn't do just that. He came to, to make you and make me his son and his daughter. He brought us into his Family. Now, let me, let me appeal to all the parents in the room here for a moment. If you have a child, you're going to love that child, right? We have some new parents in the room. Praise God. It's great to see how they are loving their children. If you have a child, you're going to love that child. You are going to welcome that child into your very heart. You welcome that child into your life. You want to have relationship with them. You're not aloof to their distresses. You care about them. You're attentive to their needs. You want relationship with them. You want them to experience love and, and joy and the security of knowing that your love for them is, is going to help them. And you give your heart to your kids, don't you? For their good. You labor toward that end that they might experience good that's what we do as parents right there's no medals needed for this it's just what it is we love 
the kids that God gives to us. Imagine now, dear friends, imagine with me how good and how perfect it is when God brings a child into his family. God who, who knows no flaws, who has no lack of perfect wisdom. Imagine how good it is when we are adopted as a member of God's family. Imagine that. We will never get one ounce of counsel that isn't for our good. Think about how much it cost him to adopt you into his family. It cost him the life of his dear son. So when you arrive on the scene, when you're adopted into the family of God by faith, do you think God is aloof and standing like, okay, yeah, you've arrived? No, he throws a party similar to the party thrown for the prodigal son who came home. Like, hey, get out the best steak. Put, put new clothes on this one. We're going to have a party because my son, my daughter who was lost is now found. He's part of my family. She's part of my family. We're at, we're at the family table together. God does this by adopting us into his family. He loves us with an intimacy that is real. He wants to to share in the joy together. So he he brings us, you know, not to the outer room or no, he, he brings us right into the family room where we experience intimate relationship with God. This is God's intention. Look with me at verses 6 and 7 in Galatians chapter 4. It says this, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. When we are made alive by God, God sends His Holy Spirit into our hearts. We are inhabited by God Himself. Why? So that our experience of our sonship is very real. Right? God sends His Spirit to help us to experience the joy of walking with God. Now, what does Christ the Son? He accomplishes this adoption The Spirit applies the adoption to us. In fact, it says the Spirit of God Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and and children who call their dad by a special name. That Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Now, this is a special term, a term reserved for relationships of deep and abiding intimacy. So in Israelite culture, you wouldn't just walk up to someone and call them Abba. No, that was reserved for your father. You don't say that to other people who are not in that role, in that place. See, now think about this. I hope this kind of blows your mind because it does mine. God himself the one who created everything that you will ever see in your entire life, God himself is our Abba. We go to him at any time. We cry to him. We, we appeal to him. We enjoy him. We take, we take great joy in his presence. That's his intention for us. That's one of the reasons he gives us the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can confirm in our hearts that we are the children of God. 
See, in adopting us to his family, our status, our lineage has changed. Think about this. Once we were slaves locked in the prison of our sin. Now by adoption, oh, praise God, we're free. We are no longer slaves. Once we were called, this is a title, we were called children of wrath, right? We saw that in Ephesians 2. We were once called children of wrath. Now we are children of God. Once an enemy of God, now a friend of God. In fact, God is our Abba Father. Back in the 1600s, theologians got together to discuss these very things. And I want to read to you what they came up with from the Westminster Confession of Faith. These, these truths have been around. I'm not saying anything new this morning. These are the eternal truths of God's word. This is what they said. Question 74 in their catechism. What is adoption? Adoption is an act of the free grace of God, whereby all those that are justified are received into the number of his children, have put his name upon them, the spirit of his son given to them, and are under his fatherly care and dispensations, admitted to all the liberties and privileges of the sons of God, made heirs of all the promises and fellow heirs with Christ in glory. Can you believe that? All of the privileges of being a son of God are ours by being adopted by faith into God. And we are, dear friends, this morning, if you are in Christ, you are under, oh, this is comforting. You are under the fatherly care of a sovereign God who does not miss one thing. If when a sparrow falls, he knows it, do you think he's going to care? For you. You are adopted by faith into his family. And anytime you need to, you can call out to him and say, Oh, Abba Father, I need you. Oh, Lord, help me. God, I don't see the way forward. Give me grace. And your Abba Father, in perfect, supreme, Sovereign wisdom answers your request. And dear friends, this helps us when we get news that we don't like. This helps us when relationships break down. This helps us when the bills don't seem to all add up and we can't pay them. This helps us in every situation because we are known by our Abba in heaven. See, he says, let me read it again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let me, let me close our time together on this Christmas Eve morning. I want to invite the band back out. Join me on the stage. Let me close our time together by mentioning to you that all of this adoptive work was initiated not by us, 
but by God himself. This is all of God's initiative because of the great love with which he loved us. Brother or sister, these truths, may they warm your heart because we weren't looking for God. We weren't wondering where he is and searching all over. No, the scripture is very plain to say we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God took the initiative toward us. God sent Christ. We didn't send Christ. We didn't ask for Christ. But God sent him at Christmas time. God redeems through Christ. There's no way we could redeem ourselves. We can't keep the law. Christ could. Christ came. God adopts us into his family. There's no way we can work our way in there. We can't pile up a bunch of good works and say, how about this, Lord? Is this enough? We could never do that. His holiness is perfect. We could never measure up. This is why the gift of Christ at Christmas is so amazing. This truth declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I ask you this morning, dear friends, do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that though you have sinned against God, that Christ has applied his perfection to your heart? And he's forgiven your sins. If you don't know that this morning, dear friends, I simply say, oh, run to God. Run to Christ. This is why he came at Christmas time. Not for presents and bows and all those things, though they're fun and of themselves. That's not what Christmas is. Christmas is Christ coming for you and for me so that we wouldn't spend eternity in hell but we could be with him forever, for all time. And it was his initiative. It wasn't mine. It wasn't yours. God came looking for you. And God is still looking for you. So, dear friends, let us now rejoice. God has come. He is with us. He is here this morning. He is here to save. He is here to encourage. He is here to give hope. Remember, we talked about that hope. The best is yet to come. It's true. It's true. When you are in Christ, the best is yet to come because we're under Abba's care. And when we're under Abba's care, it doesn't matter what comes to us because when we're under his care, he will carry us safely home. So, dear friends, this morning, We have every reason to rejoice. Christ the Savior has come. He makes himself available to you. That everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he will carry us to that glorious home. And so, dear friends, would you now rise with me and stand. As we enjoy the benefits of Christ coming at Christmas. Would you pray with me? Lord, that you would love us to this degree to take the initiative, even after we sinned and rebelled against you, we we communicated to you that we didn't want anything to do with you. 
Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you came looking for us. You took the initiative. You are the lover of our souls. And in love, Christ came. He emptied himself of his glory and came and put himself as a baby, as a helpless one who would rise someday to suffer in our place so that we might now hope on December 24th, 2023. And so, Lord, we we rise now to worship you. We rise now to thank you. We rise now to joyfully say thank you for doing what we could never do for ourselves. Lord, you deserve all the glory and all the praise. So now as we sing this song, may you receive all the glory and all the praise. We pray this together in Christ's name. Amen.